Good morning. I think we'll get started now. Um, I'm Jen Rutner, the Assessment and Marketing Librarian here at Columbia, and thank you for coming uh, to another in our series of assessment forums that we hold every semester to um, bring our colleagues in from the community to share their experience with assessment at their libraries with us. Um, so this morning, I am thrilled to welcome Dean Norberg. Uh, to the assessment forum today and to Barnard and to the Columbia community. Dean Norberg joined Barnard as the Dean of Library and Academic Information Services this February. And previous to this, she was the Director of Public Services at UNC, where she oversaw circulation services, the instruction program, ILL, reference services, and their distance education services. Yeah. She also... Um, worked a lot with usability and assessment projects in those areas. So today she'll be sharing some of her work uh, from UNC with us, and the presentation is called Perpetual Beta, User-Centered Design and Iterative Development of an OPAC. Thank you. Thank you. And I will unmute you. Oh, trying not to have a Joe Biden moment up here with the mic. <laughs> we kept it clean. Uh, <laughs> Well, I'm delighted to be here. Um, a little bit of a deja vu moment for me in uh, <laughs> Butler 203, but um, I uh, um, didn't realize when um, uh, Jen uh, told me that you know she would would love for me to come do a presentation um, on the work I did with our our OPAC that um, this would be the last week of classes and and uh, I don't know about you all, but. I'm wiped out, <laughs> so like some of our students. Um, and uh, uh, I, I get to partake in another uh, Barnard College uh, tradition, which is midnight breakfast tonight. So I'm conserving my energy. <laughs> I also uh, realized when I started putting this together that uh, you know perpetual beta, user-centered design, and the iterative development of an OPAC just sounded a little deadly, <laughs> especially for this time of year when, when we're pretty wiped out. And of course, for those of you who've ever been to any kind of uh, you know, presentation, uh, you know, uh, workshop or anything, they always say, your presentations should tell a story. So what I'm gonna do today is actually tell a story. And, um, and then hopefully, if you have real questions after my, uh, my story, uh, we, can, we can talk more and, and get serious. But for now, we'll start. Once upon a time, in a far, far land, there lived an OPAC. It was a nice little OPAC. It had the usual OPAC features, the default title search. As long as you omitted the initial article, you might actually find the title you were looking for. We had extensive help documentation. We had um, request forms that were linked from the catalog, but you could, had to cut and paste your, your information into it. All those good things. But like most library OPACs, it sucked. How do we know it sucked? Everybody kept telling us it sucked. Even when we didn't ask them about the catalog, they let us know. And Jen can probably um, confirm that. If you're doing a focus group of any kind and you ask people, you know, well, how do you do your research? 
how do you find books? How do you find articles? Inevitably, you get something like this. Catalog sucks. I go to Amazon, Google Books first, then I take the title back, try to find it in your catalog. So, my colleagues and I decided to go on that adventure in search of the holy grail of library land, the OPAC that didn't suck. So off we went. We didn't have to go far, as uh, just down Tobacco Road, past the Park of Research Triangles, we stumbled on what appeared to be a new kind of OPAC. Our colleagues at NC State had recently purchased a commercial product called Endeka. It provided a more sophisticated search interface. It offered a simple yet more powerfully accurate keyword search than we had previously ever encountered. It provided facets that were based on the Library of Congress subject headings, allowed you to broaden and narrow your, uh, your search. It also had book covers. And we went, ooh, ah. Could this be the holy grail that we were searching for? Now normally, folks at UNC are really busy spending most of their time <laughs> hating this guy. <laughs> Likewise, my colleagues at Duke were usually busy hating this guy. We rarely cared much about what NC State was doing. They did a lot of things, you know, and we just kind of, yeah, that's NC State. But this one caught our attention. And so we decided we would join forces with our red colleagues, and we would travel together on this journey to find the OPAC that didn't suck. So together we went into the countryside, and the people who rule our countryside are faculty. And so we listened carefully as they told us what they liked and didn't like about the OPAC. They were known item searchers, more, uh, more or less, by and large. They didn't often go to our catalog saying, you know, I want to see everything you've got on the Civil War. Occasionally they did that, but it was rare. But they did admit to also using Google, to also using Amazon, and even to starting their searches there. So they admitted that a system that was a little more intelligent, a little more forgiving, would not be a bad thing. And then we talked to the peasants, students. Not because we really cared what they thought, but because we needed a laugh. <laughs> So, essentially, we boiled it down to everything that the people in the countryside were asking for. They wanted a clean and simple interface, a Google-like search experience, spell check, Amazon-like information on the book, cover table of contents, customers who bought this also bought that, an interface that would anticipate what they were looking for, give them search suggestions, an interface that supported serendipitous browsing. A Google Map-like uh, function, a uh, guide to the stacks would be nice. Um, 
And of course, the deliver everything. So essentially, we went to work, and we added to this NC State product a little more Google, a touch of Amazon, and we seasoned with a dash of Home Depot and Piper Lime. And we came up with this. This was a union catalog combining the three universities, four actually, um, uh, don't mean to diss our colleagues at uh, NC Central. They were also involved. We called it, or we christened it rather, Search TRLN, which is the Triangle Research Library Network. That was what we called it. Of course, nobody knew <laughs> what that was, but, but we were proud. Um, we had come fairly far in developing what we had hoped was the Holy Grail. We knew it didn't have everything. But now it was time to go back to our castles and begin to develop what was called our own skin. One of the things NDECA does is it doesn't replace an integrated library system. Uh, it's an interface. It goes over the front end of your ILS. And so once we had developed the combined ILS, or excuse me, OPAC front end, we went off and decided to develop our own systems. In the summer of 2008, UNC implemented its own skin. Like uh, Search TRLN and the um, uh, NC State version before it, it provided more intuitive searching, it gave a better browsing experience, and it had a number of those features that are uh, people said they, they wanted. Um, as you might guess, as often happens when anything new is introduced in libraries, it occasionally meets with objection. An army of objectors um, were mounting their, mounting ready for battle against the beta catalog. There were three-headed monsters, killer rabbits, and of course, black knights. But we managed to overcome them all. You'll thank me for knowing it was morning and not giving you the more graphic version of this, uh, <laughs> of this tale. Um, we decided, they decided to call it a draw and let us move forward with the understanding that even though we put the beta catalog into production, that we would still be able to access the classic catalog. This. And of course, you call it classic because you don't want to call it anything old. That's bad. Um, so this was classic. And we assured them that we would keep classic around because we also knew that many of the complaints against the beta version of the catalog were legitimate. They were valid. It was not perfect. It definitely had flaws. One of the benefits of uh, the classic catalog, one of the reasons we had gone with the particular catalog um, ILS that we had was that it did a very good job of searching non-Roman characters, CJK, Slavic. Um, the, uh, the beta version of the catalog did not. 
So we're going to hang on to it, no question. But we marched forward, and we introduced the new catalog. And it had, as I mentioned, many of the features that, uh, that folks wanted. It had a lot of that content, table of contents, occasionally it included the first chapter of a book. Um, we also included uh, mark records for um, uh, those geeks among us who just demanded it. Um, we also had a library school. They, they wanted that mark record out there. We gave it to them. We offered a number of uh, interactive features. You could text, you could cite, um, uh, you could um, tag, and of course, we offered uh, delivery. Now, what we, uh, what we also made sure we were doing, because it wasn't perfect, we continued to go back to our users. And every time we got a comment or a request or a suggestion, we did it. When folks said, you know, I really care mostly about the availability and the location, we switched the orders of the facets bring those they were most interested in up to the top. When they said, we don't just want to expand our search to search TRLN, we want to expand our search to WorldCat. We did it. When they said, we want that request button for delivery on the brief view. We don't want to have to click on the full record to find it. We did it. Slowly but surely, we began to win over some of those objectors. And we continued to develop. We knew they had wanted, in addition to spell check, we, which we had included um, early on, we got search suggestions. So as you begin to type, it begins to identify possible searches that you might be looking for. We also began to throw in some of our local content. Um, so finding aids were incorporated into the OPAC for the first time. And you could click directly from the finding aid into our digitized collections. Yet we still weren't convinced we had the grail. So in 2009, we collaborated with our um, researchers in the <coughs> School of Information and Library Science, and we conducted a head-to-head -head test between the beta OPAC and the classic OPAC. And just in case you were worried you wouldn't get out of here without seeing a little data, I threw in a chart just, uh, just for good measure. We tested 40 participants, very sophisticated. When you work with real researchers, it's amazing. Uh, <laughs> uh, amazing what they do. They um, found that the beta was much preferred over, over classic. On average, participants believed the answers they found using Indeca were more accurate don't know how you judge accuracy in catalog, same catalog content, and they were over three times more favorable comments 
on, uh, on the beta version than the classic. But what was most interesting uh, to us and, and most exciting uh, for our developers, because we had also been looking at the logs, you know, and analyzing um, the, the search logs. Um, and, you know, we, you know, we're not really happy with the, um, the amount of clicks that our facets were getting. We thought, hmm, people aren't really using those facets. Maybe they don't, uh, maybe they're not important. Maybe that doesn't matter to them. What we found in the study was that they were a visual cue. Students might not click on them, but even having them there knew it, it was a cue that they were in the right area, that they had clicked on them or they had searched for the right subject, they were in the right area. So it, it, that's where they felt that their results were more accurate because visually they understood, oh, okay, I've got the right, the right set of records based on these facets that came up. I'm in the right area. I'm not totally off track. And so the development continues. And eventually we were able to um, build a thesaurus for CJK and Slavic. We um, continue to throw in more local content um, and um, including our, our film finder, um, uh, lots, of, lots of different features. Um, the, uh, the iPhone mobile interface, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Good stuff. Have we found our holy grail? Yes and no. See, the moral of our story is that it's not necessarily the product, but there are a few things that we learned along the way. Users will tolerate perpetual development if you're responsive to what they need and what they want. And if they see that, in a reasonable time frame, they'll hang in there with you. Eventually, you'll win over converts to the system, but in the meantime, you have to accommodate them where the old system is better for their particular research than the new. And finally, librarians must demand that they free our code. The way that we're able to do that development in a responsive manner was that Indeca gave us the code. Nothing was locked down. They said, it's all yours. Go to it. Have at it. Do whatever you want. That allowed some talented folks in our systems office to go wild. And they were able to, in fact, they loved the idea when, you know, when we asked, you know, hey, I'm at the reference desk and somebody says, why doesn't our catalog search and go into WorldCat? I don't know, but let's figure it out. And they were able, looking at the code, to figure out it was not that difficult. And in a week, boom, our users were able to take their search and search all of WorldCat. And it was this ability to respond and continue our development um, that I think is really the holy grail. Um, a lot of times, 
we are trapped by our vendors uh, who really lock down a lot of the code and we have to often go, you know, other may I put that, you know, uh, delivery tab on the brief view. And they'll say, well, we'll put it on our development list. And then we'll vote on it in a year. And if it wins, then we'll take a year to develop it for you. And you'll like it. And then we'll charge you for it. That's not so good. And I think that's where we've been constrained for uh, a long time. So I, I think in that sense, uh, we have found our, our holy grail. And it isn't necessarily in Indeca. Um, NC State has gone on to the next shiny object. Um, and um, uh, you know, there are new products coming out that, um, you know, that are probably better. We need to in, um, incorporate article data. Um, and there are some, uh, some new products out there that have enormous um, uh, potential. But I think what still dismays me about those library vended products is they're still locking down the code and really not letting us um, play uh, and develop where we need to. So that's the end of my story. <laughs> and now I'd like just to visit with you all. I know um, uh, Jen has told me, and I've been um, working with uh, Clio Beta uh, for a while now and Clio Classic. And, um, and I have heard both um, defenders and foes of, of both systems um, from both faculty and, and students. And I know that, um, that you're in the process now of going through and doing a lot of what, uh, um, what we've been doing at, at UNC in terms of usability testing, um, focus groups, and, and all kinds of, of user study things. How do you think it's going? Where, where do you think we'll all go? Because I'm in it with you now. <laughs> do you like Clio Beta? When we were doing battle, <laughs> cutting people's arms off, and <laughs> um, well, uh, a lot 
I would say the vast majority of, of criticism was, was actually coming um, from the inside, um, which were our own worst enemy at times, and, um, but again, legitimate uh, complaints. So a lot of the criticisms was coming, you know, were um, coming from, from librarians who uh, were having uh, difficulty adapting uh, to the new system, didn't do what, you know, they needed it or wanted it to do. And, um, uh, and occasionally we would get um, feedback from, uh, from students uh, or graduate students primarily uh, and faculty. Uh, but what was winning them over, quite frankly, were the services. Um, and full disclosure, if you know, Jerry's not in the audience, um, we had an Innovative Interfaces was our ILS, and they do tend to lock down the code um, uh, more, much more than Ex Libris. So we, we, um, the only way we could create a document delivery service uh, was to um, uh, use the, you know, the, the one that came with, um, uh, with Innovative, which didn't enable us to go across uh, TRLN, uh, and we wanted to integrate it with our uh, interlibrary loan service, um, and you know it, it, we just couldn't do it. So with um, uh, uh, Deca, we were able to develop uh, this um, document delivery service that was using Iliad, um, and it uh, it was seamless to the uh, to the user if it was. In the stacks of Davis Library, we went and pulled it and sent it to him. If it was in the stacks at Perkins, Duke Perkins Library, we um, it just got shifted into another queue and was delivered that way. If nobody in the triangle had it, we shifted it into in the library loan, and they got it from wherever they had to. Um, you know, so faculty love that. <laughs> Students love that um, because that was one of the other things we did with document delivery is um, we opened it up to everybody. Um, undergraduates to, um, to faculty um, could request uh, the materials. And we would page for anybody. We, um, we did deliver to faculty offices with um, students. We um, uh, just delivered to the closest library um, uh, on, on campus. Um, so um, that, you know, that was exciting. And they, they liked the features. Um, they liked being able to, you know, pull it into EndNote or RefWorks or their citation. Um, and, uh, um, and they liked the fact that uh, they had that additional content. The, the one interesting thing um, that we found in, in uh, one series of focus groups, uh, and that we haven't, we did not implement for this reason, uh, is kind of that people who read this also read this, that kind of thing. When we kind of pushed on that a little bit, um, you know, or, or allowing, you know, user reviews, that sort of thing. What we found was that everybody thought, wow, that's a great idea. I know I love how Amazon does that. Um, but faculty wanted to see reviews written not by their colleagues, and certainly not by an undergraduate. They wanted to know what their colleague at Stanford thought of the book. You know, they didn't care about what the guy down the hall thought. Um, you know, um, they wanted their peers. Um, that's a little tougher. Um, and, you know, it was very much a tiered effort. You know, the, the graduate students wanted to know what their faculty thought of these books. They wanted faculty reviewing them um, or, or, you know, finding out what their faculty read. But, you know, we're, we're going to suppose, you know, who was reading the books. 
Um, you know, and, and they were worried, well, I don't really, I don't want a lot of data, you know, from the undergraduates. I don't care what they think, you know. Um, you know so it was very class oriented um, and, and therefore kind of difficult to, uh, um, to ultimately implement um, in, in our context. But, Jerry? I'm curious, did you run across a situation where there were people who said, I really prefer the old catalog if you could just add Absolutely, we had some <laughs> delicately um, because they tended to be uh, senior faculty members uh, who, you know, um, didn't really, um, you know, they they knew the tricks of the old system. They knew how to omit that initial article. They'd grown up with, you know, author last name first, first name last kind of stuff, and and so they had that down pat. But they wanted delivery, and they wanted, um, you know, those other features, and and we just. You know, had to be honest with them and say we would have loved to have given you that capability, uh, but we simply weren't able to. Um, you know, and uh, you know, and then we would, you know, explain, you know, how, you know, how to do things in the new catalog. You know, we we kind of used it as a teaching moment, and and that won some people over. The other thing I, I failed to mention is that we had access to the algorithm, the search algorithm, and this was also key. You know, the minute we um, discovered that, you know, if you searched for Time magazine, um, and you just put in Time or something like that, and you would get every novel, <laughs> you know, and everything, um, and what our users were probably looking for, you know, was that, you know, we could go in and diddle with the algorithm to make sure that if somebody typed Time, we could, you know, pretty much imagine that they were looking for the magazine and we could bump that up to the top. We could go in and kind of, um, you know, add metadata. There were all kinds of tricks that we were um, able to do um, that really made that keyword search much more effective. Um, and that's, frankly, that's what also won a lot of the librarians over because that was um, uh, their initial complaints uh, with the system. You know, was that I'm not finding. You know, I. You know, we're all known item searchers by and large too, especially when we're, um, uh, uh, you know, doing the everyday kind of stuff where we know what we're looking for, and so that was very frustrating. That keyword search, you know, was very frustrating to librarians and a lot of uh, faculty initially, but when we knew we could go in and kind of, you know, cheat the system, if you will, or game it a little bit um, to make that more effective. Um, that, that really, really helped. Sorry? Go ahead. I'm just wondering how you um, convey the perception of data, because one of the issues with the work, just having the word data, I mean, it's, it's you've implied that you're, that you're still developing, but a lot of times, it's, this is it. You say, okay, this is data, this is it now. I mean, how do you know it's going to change? Like, did, you, did you have to promote that, or how did you let people know that you're still working all the time on, on development? That's a good, good Good question, and, and one that we talked about a lot um, amongst ourselves. Um, this little beta <laughs> icon was actually on the catalog um, very prominently for, um, uh, for I would say, about a year. And, and then we decided it was time to take it off. Even though we knew we weren't, you know, we weren't done, we were going to continue developing, um, we, you know, put on the front page of the catalog the list of new features, you know, and, and we, um, you know, again, tried to make sure people knew that, um, you know, we were continuing uh, to develop it. And it, it did keep getting better. And so um, 
you know, users became comfortable and now see it really as the main catalog. Uh, and so we quietly took, um, took the beta off. I think it's still there on the old interface. Uh, if you go to classic, there's still a try our beta <laughs> version. They haven't removed that yet, I don't think. But, um, but from the uh, main, um, uh, main page, we did just quietly take it off without much fanfare. Yeah, absolutely. As as uh, as Jen kind of alluded to, uh, when I was at uh, UNC, I was kind of usability queen, um, and uh, and that really began when I was coordinator of instructional services. And the first time the um, uh, one of the systems librarians said, you know, I complained about um, you know something on the website, and he said, well, it's your job to teach him that. <laughs> Just teach him how to how to do that. And I thought, no. <laughs> your job to change that. Um, and so, um, yeah, I've um, uh, been involved with the usability of the entire website for, uh, uh, for, for many years. And, and that's another kind of continual beta. Um, and that's, that's an even dicier issue almost than the catalog uh, because, uh, boy, when you change that uh, website interface, and you know you move that cheese. <laughs> that's when you hear from uh, hear from people. Um, you know that link. I finally learned where it was, and you took it away. You moved it. Um, one of the things we did in the last real overhaul that we did of our our website um, was we also created um, a kind of little map to where we moved their cheese. <laughs> you know, um, and you know so you could bring up the old interface, and and it would uh, it would say. If you're looking for this, it's now here, <laughs> um, and that actually helped. Um, you know, people uh, people did use that. Um, the The catalog was really intertwined um, into uh, into the web um, uh, web interface too. Um, if I can be real obnoxious and pull up the page, um, I'll. Uh, because most of our um, catalog users now do exactly what yours do. We have the same kind of quick links um, uh, tab, uh, uh, tab design. And one of the things, um, we used to look almost identical to you guys. Um, probably stole it from you. Uh, <clears throat> we used to have our catalog um, tab over here and the same kind of tabs along the side. And in, what, in the usability, we found that um, they thought that was a catalog search, and that was it. Those other tabs were absolutely blind to them. Um, we're like, search for articles, and they you know, had all kinds of trouble. You know, we're like, how about this tab? We're like, oh, that's a tab. <laughs> Never saw that. Um, and um, so what we did um, is we actually shifted the position 
Uh, we, we left the catalog as the default because users did indicate that that was usually what they wanted and expected. But we moved the tab, instead of being here, we put it over here so that there were other tabs around it. And that kind of visually cued people in and gave them kind of more of that peripheral um, uh, vision on the page. And then um, before these had been gray and this was blue because you could never use too much Carolina blue on a web page, we've, we've discovered. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so what we did was we brought out, you know, kind of the color, you know, green that, you know, kind of popped out at people and made the other ones also color um, so that they were a little more, uh, a little more visible. And, and then we tested that and, and found that it, it made a dramatic difference in people's ability, especially to find the, the e-journals. Um, so maybe they still are reading left to right. <laughs> Probably still miss the quick article search, but, um, but at least they're seeing more of these tabs. Um, and a lot of people um, do use our, our Google Scholar tab and, and, uh, and the site search. In fact, what we found um, in our, you know, we had an elaborate database um, uh, uh, page, much like, um, much like Columbia. And Students are, are just brilliant, you know, and, and so, you know, we'd say, you know, look for JSTAR, and every time they just went to our site search and searched for whatever database, you know, they were looking for, um, you know, we thought, why did we go to all that trouble to, to create that massive uh, uh, database? The calling, the naming of, of, uh, of these things is also just, you know, um, just a nightmare. Um, we ended up, uh, this came from I don't know how many um, uh, focus groups we did. We actually, I think, um, asked every single uh, first year English class um, and then a smattering of, of other classes and focus groups, what would you call our databases and indexes? And, and the winner was e-research tools, um, which, again, nobody really understands what that means. Um, but um, but we, uh, we did put the quick article search here as well, and that gets a little more, um, a little more hits than than this actually. But so, it's it's tough. It's definitely tough. With the um, new OCAC interface here, new skin, at what point, you know, in that process, did you start these different types of research? When did you know? When did you start the focus groups? Um, and how often were you doing usability studies and bringing people in? We, um, it seems like we never stopped. <laughs> we, uh, 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 when we were doing them collaboratively, when we were getting ready um, to launch Search TRLN, we actually did focus groups and testing, um, usability testing, at each of the four campuses. Um, and, uh, and there we were able, we had the um, NC State interface, and we also had a handful of other um, catalogs that we, um, that were using kind of generation to kind of 2.0 uh, interfaces, as well as other Indeca um, interfaces. And um, so we learned a, a good amount from that, also looking across different institutions. Um, and that's where um, uh, it was also important to understand how our institutions differ. Uh, we tend to be fairly close to Duke uh, in terms, you know, kind of a liberal arts um, uh, curriculum. Uh, NC State, of course, um, is more of the um, engineering uh, uh, type of uh, 
of school, so they, were, they didn't give a hoot about the fact that you couldn't search for CJK because they rarely have ever did that or Slavic or any of those, whereas the folks at, at um, UNC and Duke, we knew we had to you know, eventually get that right because we had too many researchers, faculty, um, and others who, who needed those collections. Um, but, um, but we went through all of that, and once we then had the search CRLN interface, then we went back and um, in order, you know, then when we were developing our own skin, we went back and, and um, tested and had people looking at the search CRLN uh, and uh, the NC State interfaces, and, um, but then also just figuring out what our people needed um, at UNC. And, um, uh, you know, and then once we had our own, uh, you know, skin, then we, um, uh, we did some additional, you know, um, mostly that was, you know, um, a little more informal. You know, we'd put a, a little survey on the catalog or we would um, monitor um, also in the catalog, we integrated our chat service uh, into the catalog. So, um, and, and it was identified so that we knew if somebody was having trouble with the catalog that it was chat that was coming through the catalog. So we could identify those and so we captured that data. We did a lot of looking at the, um, uh, the data logs, um, how, how folks were using um, the, uh, the catalog, um, and then eventually we started working with, um, uh, with SILS to develop this, um, this study that uh, uh, Brad Hemmager and, and Sarah uh, Ramadine. Um, the comparative study. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, uh, and the results of that also, um, you know, did, did show some, um, you know, it did point out to us some additional elements of the classic catalog that, that people still, um, still liked. And uh, when they were doing the study, we'd actually, the development had actually gone beyond um, what they were studying. They, what we did was we took the interface, you know, and kind of locked it in time and put it on a separate server so they could test it and it wasn't continually changing. So, in fact, most of the issues that came out in the study we had already addressed um, in, yeah. Yeah. I really kind of like um, what you were saying before, kind of alluding to this process of continuous research and development as the holy grail, as the goal, rather than making the catalog perfect. You know, it's never going to be perfect. It never will be locked down again. You know, none of these products will answer all of our questions, um, do it exactly the way we want it, and the way our users want it. Yeah, I think response time is also important. Um, you know, we, we have a limited time with, um, with a very large segment of our, our audience. You know, they're here for a relatively short time. And, and um, you know, and as long as I think that you're continually improving it and not, you know, mucking it up too, too bad, um, you know, people tend to appreciate that. And, and we often did get compliments and, you know, when we put something new out there, uh, and we're able to communicate it. Um, we did often get um, get some praise, which is also very rare. And how did you communicate these changes to your population? We, uh, because we are trying to develop, you know, go into this continual development um, process. We didn't continually want to be, you know, now we did this, now look at this. <laughs> um, so you know, we we have this new features um, thing on the uh, on the page. And then as appropriate, um, the, the various liaison librarians, um, you know, or when they were doing a class or um, uh, meeting with, uh, uh, with the students or faculty, 
you know, they might highlight what was relevant to them. You know, when we finally got CJK working, you know, the Asian, uh, our um, uh, East Asian librarian was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> making sure that, you know, those populations, um, you know, knew uh, that that, uh, um, that was um, available now. Same with Slavic and, you know, um, and then, um, uh, you know, mostly rolling it out, um, you know, just in, informally, um, you know, when, you know, yeah, we didn't want to, Make it too irritating. You mentioned that um, when a student wants to borrow a book, that it goes seamlessly through the process to get it from the next place to the next place to find the interlibrary loan. What kind of feedback does the requester get during that process to know what the time frame, what the time frame has changed and what you expect? That's a good question. Um, and that's another place where we did continual development. Um, when we uh, first brought the, um, uh, the, uh, the catalog or the uh, delivery service out, and one of the things, you know, we're like, like Columbia, we're a very complicated, complex. Um, library system, nothing's ever easy, you know, and so we have our three buckets. We have, you know, essentially separate systems. Um, you know, there's academic affairs, um, uh, and then our health affairs and, and law. We each have different, you know, um, kinds of logins. You know, we're not all part of the same system, so we had to, you know, tweak that. This was very, very confusing initially for, um, uh, for a lot of our uh, users, you know, who were just like, I don't know what I am, you know, or, you know, they think, oh, I want a book over at the Health Sciences Library, I guess I log into the Health Affairs, you know, so it took a long time to get, um, to get this page um, to a point where people under, understood it. Um, I can't get in anymore, I'm afraid, <laughs> um, so I can't go any further, but essentially um, uh, what it does is it takes you into um, Iliad, or if you haven't used the system before, if you haven't used interlibrary loan or um, requested a book, you have to, um, uh, be, you know, set up your account. Um, once you've uh, put through a request, um, and it carries your request uh, with it the whole time, so it pre-populates the form. This was huge for our users, um, and um, uh, they uh, they initially get uh, just a message that we've received your request. Um, and then um, what it does, uh, it goes through an intricate process. All of the um, initial requests for, say, academic affairs get funneled to our reference librarians at the reference desk. And as a part of their um, regular, and they asked for this, <laughs> they wanted to do this, um, as part of their, you know, when they're working at the desk, um, they check the Iliad queue. And what they do um, is they look at the request, and if it's something that's been requested that they know, um, uh, say, because this also does article requests as well as books. So if somebody has requested an article using this service, um, uh, which they often do, because if you check selected a, a journal, it will begin to pre-populate um, the journal request form. Um, if they go through all of those, they see if we have it full text and the person just missed it, they immediately, you know, capture that request and send the PDF directly to the uh, um, person saying, you know, here's the article you requested. If they see it's a book, they also check the catalog to see, um, you know, is the book checked out? And on the form, it, it indicates you can also do a recall or you can get it from another library. Um, and so, you know, they check to see, you know, is it a recall, you know, 
we're, and then they send it to the appropriate queue, whether it's our circulation um, department or our interlibrary loan department. Uh, and then they, um, uh, once they get it, they, um, uh, if it's on campus, and we, we say it takes us, you know, we hedge it, you know, and say, oh, it's going to take us two to three books, two to three days to get this book. Um, usually, if it's on campus, on, you know, in the stacks, we can get it within 24 hours. If we hit, uh, we're up against that two to three day period and we haven't gotten to the, it to the person yet, um, then we, um, and that's also true of books within the triangle area. Uh, so, um, uh, so usually, you know, if we can get it, um, you know, we um, send them to say, you know, okay, your book's in route to this location that you requested. Um, when it leaves one library to go to another library, they get a message saying it's in route. Um, and then when it's arrived, they get a message to say it's arrived. You can have X number of days to pick it up. Um, and the same is true in a library loan. When, it go, when we have to go outside of the triangle uh, for it, um, they do get, I think, another message that indicates you know, um, it wasn't available in the, um, in the vicinity and, and so it could take um, a little longer. So we, we try to also um, stay in communication with people and let them know um, where it's at. But that took a lot of, <laughs> a lot of a lot of work on the part of a lot of people, I have to say. Kudos to, to everyone involved in that. Do you have any more questions? Thank you. Well, thank you all. Thank you.